Have you ever wanted to work with more local companies or do more traveling as a creator? Honestly, it's something I've always been really fascinated by. Those creators who are able to be the absolute go-to person in their regions for recommendations, they've been able to build super hyper-focused communities, allowing them to really monetize their platforms so well. But how do you work with more local companies and actually get paid fairly, especially because there are so many small businesses? Also, do you need to solely share local or travel style content in order to really have a local company see your value? How can you travel and monetize all at the same time? I'm Kristen Busquet and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with my great friend, Chelsea. She's a Wisconsin-based regional travel creator, focusing on Wisconsin and upper Midwest content. She has worked with local tourism boards for destinations like the Fox Cities, La Crosse, Wisconsin Dells, the state of Iowa, and more. And it's safe to say that she has a lot of experience monetizing her travels and her local regional businesses. Today, we're diving into the key to working with more local and travel companies. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I have to tell you all about the free guide that I put together for you guys, because I know you are loyal listeners to Social Scoop every week, and I love you for that. If you ever find yourself really wondering how you can turn your creator influence and your digital influence into a creator business and really monetize, maybe even go full time, you will be so pumped to hear that I literally packed all of my most valuable resources into literally one big, giant, beautiful guide for you so that you can actually use this to further your business or build your business. The Profitable Creator Playbook is a free guide. It's going to teach you everything that you need to know about working with brands through our proven framework, the anti-pitch method. You'll also be able to find out where you stand when it comes to your rates because we have rates in our creator rate database that is included in this guide from over 200 creators. And you'll also have the questions that you need to ask yourself if you're looking to turn your creator hobby into a business with our Roadmap to Full-Time Guide. And this is all packed into a free playbook for you. So down in the show notes, you can grab your free copy. I hope you absolutely love this and let me know what you guys think. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 76 of Social Scoop. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. So this week, speaking of travel, is a little different. So as you're hearing this, I am in Mexico hosting our second creator retreat with my fellow creator, Curbs by Zoe, and 10 other creators that came on the trip with us. We are snorkeling, we're shooting content, living it up in the sunshine, and honestly making some of our new best friends. So with that being said, no news today. We are diving straight into this super timely episode all about travel and working with local companies with my good friend Chelsea. So I'll see you guys next week and let's dive right into it. We get so many questions from creators looking to work with more local companies or working to looking to work with more travel companies and just travel in general as a creator. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic today with Chelsea, who's here. She's going to be telling us all of the tea on how to work with more regional companies, work with more local companies. So Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Social Scoop was in my Spotify raft at the very top. So I'm Oh my God, that's amazing. That's like the best compliment you could ever give me. <laughs> 
I love it. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know you yet, can you kind of just give us the rundown on who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I run an Instagram account called The Wisconsinista, and it's all things Wisconsin travel and lifestyle. I've been running it for about five years, so my community is very heavily regional. I'm not only Wisconsin-based, but I'm based in Milwaukee, so lots of Milwaukee, southeastern Wisconsin-based uh, community, and it's it's a really cool group that we've come together and we share all the good things to do here in Wisconsin. I created it because I noticed a gap in both destination marketing and in community spaces uh, for people in the Midwest. And so it really it filled a niche for just this whole part of the country, honestly, to be recognized and for people to come together and share like a positive take on it that's often you know either like left out of destination marketing yeah. entirely or like given a bad rap so it's it's been really cool to just become a leader in this space and have like the coolest community of people to gush about Wisconsin with <laughs> I love that and it's true like I don't actually hear like a lot of travel stuff about Wisconsin so <laughs> like cool that you're doing that I love that um so I one thing that I kind of like wanted to focus on today with you um I guess two things um first I get a lot of questions from creators about how to work with more local companies um given that obviously the way their businesses are set up is very different from like these huge giant companies um so I definitely want to touch on that but also a lot of creators that I work with just want to travel more they want to travel for free they want to get paid to travel so I'd love to touch on kind of how you've been able to do that as well. So tell us first, like how you got started working with more of these like regional companies. Yeah. So when I started my brand, like I did have a vision for it. I've always had this passion for Wisconsin, sharing that with other people. And when I started, like my mission was just to sort of inspire people's next adventure. I honestly was targeting people who lived here primarily at first, because I had grown up with all these people around me who didn't have the same experience living here that I did. They thought it was boring. There's nothing to do. And I feel like yeah. no matter where you live, like if it's where you live and like you don't grow up seeing what's around you, you can have this kind of negative mindset toward it. So I wanted to, you know, I realized like the privilege I had in having this mindset that I had. And when social media became a thing and creating passionate communities of people became a thing, this opened a window for me. Like I really have always wanted to be a leader in this space. Like if, as a kid, I wanted to work for Travel Wisconsin, the state tourism board, yeah. like lifelong tourism geek. And so it, it just felt natural for me to come into this space. I have a lifetime's worth of knowledge here. And I think that just showed over time. I tried to be really consistent. I knew nothing about marketing when I started, no clue where this would go. And I think my focus on sharing where I'm based, sharing, you know, my adventures here, my life here, uh, geotagging things, you know, simple things and more complex things is what slowly, you know, over time got me noticed by brands who saw the community right. who are also looking to be a part of it. And so that's kind of where those relationships were made. And as my community's grown and like people have wanted to be a presence and a part of that dialogue, you know, what is Midwest culture? What's Wisconsin culture? Who wants to be a part of that? You know, there's the people, there's the me, there's the influencer creator side, and then there's the businesses side too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really interesting to think about because I think about this 
all the time. I, for whatever reason, can't just like do one thing. I have to do 500 things. And so I'm always like, oh, like I would love to start sharing more Charlotte content um, being based in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's so much cool stuff to do here, but I'm always like, I feel like my page isn't like, that's not what it's for. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think what you do really well is like, you have this dedicated space. That's like, this is the hub for, you know, people in Wisconsin or people coming to Wisconsin. And like, you really did, like you said, establish yourself as like the expert in the area. And so I think you're like a go-to person, which when you are working with regional companies, I think that's so important because maybe, I don't know about Wisconsin, but I know, and especially in bigger cities, like, you know, uh, in New York or in LA, there's so many creators, like, how are you supposed to um, say, like, I'm the creator that you should work with and pay, you know, like, I think the way you positioned yourself probably helped a lot to get you to be like that person that like if these small businesses don't have a lot of money and they're going to pay someone it's like it's going to be you you know so how did you kind of I guess kind of a general question but like how did you become such an expert or such a hub like how did you become the go-to person like how long did this take and how long did it take before companies kind of started looking at you that way so I, there's two ways, like, I feel that people can kind of go into this because I grew up here. I've always lived here and I've sort of built up this local knowledge just from like living the life that I live. And so it right. lends itself really nice to, I have the ethos in my head to be this expert. I just need to show it to other people and to build their trust. So it was just a matter of like, I started with photos that I had. I started going to local places. I still distinctly remember this time when my dad sent me a text and he's like, Hey, I have to go to this town three hours away to pick up a snowblower on Craigslist. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, well, like, can you throw in a state park trip and lunch and I'll make it like <laughs> a content thing. And so yeah. we totally did it. We made it the state trip and that's how I got my content at first. So it was really taking the ideas in my head and sharing, you know, just having a photo or video to put with it to kind of establish like this credibility that I knew I had. And then also to put that into a curated way so people could see I was a creator just as much as a resource. And so I think that's one way to go about it. The other perspective, because I know not everyone has lived in the same place their whole life. You are a good right. example of this. Um, <laughs> if you're new to a city or you're new to like being passionate about it, I think it's a totally cool and different angle to take people on that journey with you. Like you're seeing the city through new eyes. They get to kind of start on that journey at the same place as you and yeah. you work your way up. So when I think about like how I came to be this expert, it was truly just like taking a passion that I had and the sort of direction I wanted to go. Again, for me, it's kind of the lifelong local. How do I bring this out here? And just being consistent and sharing that with people and kind of seeing where it led. Like that's ultimately what got brands slowly involved in the conversation. Yeah. One thing that you said that I think is very important for creators listening to think about and to kind of like keep in the back of their mind that situation where like you were going to get the snowblower and you're like hmm can I make this like a content trip that is a mindset that not every creator is in especially with I feel like kind of what you do with like the local kind of like regional um expertise so like if I'm a creator 
who wants to start a page like that. I'm like, oh, like I'm already going to restaurants. I'm already going to these places. Like it'll be easy. But I think it's not as easy as people make it out to be. Because again, there is like a certain mindset that has to go into it like that full day trip. There are probably plenty of other things that you might have wanted to do on that day. If you didn't have anything to do that day, I don't know, I would have wanted to probably sit on the couch and binge watch some TV. Like, you know what I mean? But you have to be in that mindset of like, okay, if I'm going to be the expert, I have to like, take every opportunity possible to be the expert. And so I love that you did that. And I think that's a piece that a lot of people miss, especially when they look at stuff that's like, like, it looks like so fun that it doesn't look hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is a lot of obviously like work that goes on um, behind there. So I do want to talk about kind of like how you were able to monetize here. Like I was saying in the beginning, I think one thing that I I work with a few creators who are um, very local to like, or I guess experts in their area. Um, One of my, my members, Megan, she's a San Diego creator and she Post all about San Diego. Um, I also have Kaya, who's in Georgia. And one thing that I have been working with both of them on very frequently is just like trying to get small companies, like these local businesses or restaurants or experiences in your region to actually like formally compensate. Obviously, versus like bigger you know, corporate companies, they don't have the same budgets. So what did that process look like for you when you were able to go from like just getting, you know, a meal for free to post about it to a place where you're actually able to monetize? Yeah, you know, I think once I had built something valuable and something that big brands and big tourism boards were willing to uh, compensate for, they saw the value of my audience, community, content, there were there was a little more flexibility to say, okay, I'm also here though to support like the local community, the local economy. And so I was able to carve out space for smaller businesses at like reduced rates. So I still I actually yeah. still offer that. I have a small business rate. And obviously, you know, to keep my business afloat, that's not every partnership that I take on. And you know, I'm lucky Wisconsin has a lot of like big businesses that are headquartered here as well. So I can like vary up who I'm working with, tourism boards. And so it's not always the bulk of my income, but uh, it's it's a good way to get back to like the passion of the account. And I think it's really important to keep in mind what your audience is there for, you know, so yeah. to put out things that are in their town that are helpful to them. And so I kind of meet those companies where they're at. Like I said, you know, kind of a ballpark of how many of these types of partnerships I can afford to do. But ultimately, like they add to the value my community gets from me and the growth that I have in the bigger companies I'm able to work with. So it really works out great for everybody if I allot some time and energy toward them. So yeah, we totally just work with where they're at. Uh, Some smaller businesses reach out to me and I explain where I'm at. Like we both kind of have this mutual understanding that we're both small businesses and then we kind of team up to see how we can support each other. So I think just having that understanding and, and knowing your value and knowing like what you can afford to do at that like capacity and then just bringing the, yeah. you know, giving them that support that you allotted for them. Yeah. What would you say is kind of the split between like the local companies versus like bigger companies that you're working with that are maybe the bulk of your income? Like what is the, I guess, percentage split between the two? I don't know that I've ever put it into a percentage. I mean, I've definitely <laughs> like larger organizations, like, 
mm-hmm. make up a good portion. Like ultimately my work with tourism boards is what makes up the bulk of my sponsorship income. And, you know, okay. obviously like heavily in the creator niche, but I think the really interesting thing, if we like segue into tourism or at least sidestep here yeah. is, you know, I think people say, okay, big tourism boards have a lot of money, little tourism boards don't. And I mean, that can be true, but I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, whether these little regions are still heavy tourist destinations, like the entire northern part of Wisconsin, we call it the North Woods, it's where people's cabins are, the lakes, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's all tourism up there, like so much so. And so they, they have a very small, like year-round population, but like their tourism boards, you know, have been willing to work with local creators and pay creators to come up there. So it's something people sometimes rule like out when they're thinking about size and scale. Um, But those are kind of the bulk of my income. And then, you know, again, I'm able to incorporate local businesses. Usually I let them reach out to me um, and I Mm -hmm. seek out more of those larger partnerships because if they're coming to me, then I already know they have an interest. I don't have to try and pitch them something that like their business isn't at a scale yet to be able to afford. And so we can just kind of meet each other where we're at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a a good way of looking at it with the tourism boards, too. There could be, I guess, like a lot of missed opportunity for people who are kind of just like riding off the small ones because they don't think they're going to be able to make the money that they want. What does your typical partnership with a tourism board actually look like? Like kind of start to finish, give us the rundown. Sure. So it's, as you know, like lots of correspondence back and forth as well. And before I even get there, before I even get to the contract and the deliverables and where we go, it's so important, like to ask all the questions you have. You're your event coordinator as well. And they'll oftentimes give you an itinerary, if not like step-by-step, this is where you go. At least you need to do all these things in the span of while you're here. And it's so important to be an advocate for yourself to be like, one, like no realistic person can do all these things. Like I try and be really realistic. I'm sharing a reel for like a weekend in this place. The average person needs to be able to do that in the weekend. Um, Good point. But also to make sure that like what they're telling you is correct. I, um, I distinctly recall last year, we had this whole trip planned and then Two days before, I went through the itinerary just to, like, usually I'll look up, like, geotagged photos from there, see what angles there are, you know, start to get an idea for the content. And I realized one location wasn't open for the season. One location was, like, in the process of moving to another location. And those were two required places they expected me to go to and show up at. And so it was, like, very last minute. Like, you have to be an advocate for yourself. You have to do the research because sometimes the people you're working with, like, haven't thought through all the questions that you have, you know, who at the hotel is going to know who you are and why you aren't putting down the credit card for this hotel room. Like you walk into yeah. this fancy restaurant in Chicago and there's this random waiter, you know, how do you convey like, no, no, this meal is like a part of the stay. And so right. you just, you need to have all the logistics figured out. But once you do that, um, they typically give you an itinerary of some sort and deliverables discussed ahead of time. So I'll go in, you know, knowing I have to make a reel or a carousel post or a set of stories or a combination of those things. And then um, that's kind of what the weekend is. I'm a big, like, I definitely buy into travel and vacation are different. And this is totally like a work trip. I want to make sure I genuinely enjoy the places we go to because I wouldn't recommend them otherwise. Right. But also, I'm not necessarily enjoying them in the same way as I would if I was on a non-work vacation. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever had a situation where you had this itinerary, you go do the things and there were things that you didn't like and and didn't want to necessarily recommend? And if so, how do you deal with that with the with the um, tourism boards? Yeah, we we did have one scenario with uh, lodging, a place that we were supposed to stay during the trip. And we got there and there were like, it was unfinished. Um, there were lots oh. of like bugs all over it. And I remember oh, it was no, an no, Airbnb no. and the person lived on site. And at night, the dog stayed up barking all night. And I remember literally walking out of my room at midnight because we had this full day planned. And I was trying to like go, you know, quiet the dogs because clearly like, she right. was doing it. And he like chased me down the hall, like growling at me. And <laughs> where are we? And um, so it's just some of those things were like, yeah. if you, you know, and it was hard to tell, like it's a beautiful Airbnb listing that they put together for us. And so right. you know, I, I took the pictures, like what I ended up doing in the moment was taking the content and then just coming back to the brand and saying, look, like this wasn't what I thought it would be. I don't feel comfortable sharing this. And that's another thing to advocate for as well is if you, um, you know, make sure you build some time in, like, I think brands yeah. sometimes try and rush to like get everything up in a timely manner. So it feels right after your trip, but I don't think it hurts anything too much to take the time to like create the content, you know, spend yeah. time on it and have that time to bring those kind of things up. Uh, so that when you do end up sharing, it's, it's what you need to share and it's good quality. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm sure that they, while they may want things to go up quickly, they probably also really do appreciate you taking the time to like write out a very, you know, detailed, well thought out review instead of just being like, this is awesome. Here you go. Bye. Like it's done. Um, so I think that's very smart. Now I'm curious to kind of hear a little bit more of like the nitty gritty on what your typical partnerships with tourism boards look like in terms of like, you know, are there, are all of your, um, tourism board partnerships compensated? Do you typically see some that are just like in exchange for the travel? Like what, what are the typical logistics that you've seen end up looking like in terms of deliverables, compensation, all of that? So it can go a lot of ways. I think there are a lot of people out there who still do like hosted stays or a stay or meal or what have you in exchange any of my creative friends will tell you that I am like the person who is so by the books, like FTC taxes, like all of that stuff. And while I am not any sort of financial expert, can I give financial advice to my understanding? Like if you sign a contract and you say you are providing me X number of hotel nights in exchange for X deliverables, the value of that stay then becomes taxable income to you. And, you know, like they, if it's over $600 or whatever, they'll send yeah. you a 1099. And so for me, that like, I, I just, that wasn't a good business move to keep doing that long term. Yeah. Um, so I, I only work in exchange for compensation now. Like to me, that's just clear. I feel it's very similar in my head to if you work a nine to five and you're going on a business trip to give a presentation or something yeah. like that. You need to stay in a hotel. And if your company told you, like, no, you get to stay in this hotel in New York and give this presentation we asked you to, but you're not getting paid, like, the hotel. Like, you get to stay <laughs> in the hotel for free. I think you'd be like, no, no, no. What? And so I, I try and think of it the same. Like, I am working for them. 
employee for the weekend and they right. need me to stay here in order to get the content that I need. It's a prop for the photo shoot. It's not the payment for the photo shoot. And so I'm Love a big that. advocate for taking on, taking on like, yeah, only projects that are compensated. Yeah. I think we should know our worth as travel creators and more and more people are, you know, starting to realize that they yeah. do have that worth and they think of that structure for payment in that way. And so it's it's not uncommon now for people to be compensated for their stays and, you know, we yeah. shouldn't be afraid to advocate for that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I'll always advocate for people not doing things for free. So I definitely agree with that. But also travel is exhausting. Like, I just traveled to for like, maybe a total of 10 days in the last like month and a half. And I feel like I have not slept a good night in like, literal weeks. So it's like, it's so exhausting. Like travel is fun, but it is work at the end of the day, especially when you have these itineraries that are packed morning to night like it's not a trip that's there to be like your vacation for fun you're right it is a work trip and I love the way that you put it it's like the hotel is more of a prop than it is you know payment um so just like any other job yes you should be compensated for I completely agree with that and I think too like one of the perks of being more regionally based I mean, some people, like, if you want to live the van life and you want to be a digital nomad, that is so cool. But I totally feel like you, where I get burnt out by travel, I need a home base. And it's cool, like, as somebody who wants to kind of live a normal life alongside of this. And, you know, some people might want to start this kind of thing who have kids and a family and people to take care of. Even, like, more connections to home to know that all of your trips are going to be more regionally based, just a car ride away, uh, just a weekend maybe. And so I think it's easier for some people to incorporate into their lives and it's more of a lifestyle that feels sustainable for them. Yeah, definitely. I definitely not for everyone by any means. Um, I, I agree with that. I'm curious to hear a little bit more too about when you are working with um, tourism boards or even just, I guess, like hotels or or things, different experiences, restaurants, whatever that are, um, you know, in places that you're traveling or even just locally, how are you finding typical like, like areas to contact, tourism boards to contact? What does your process of actually reaching out to them look like? Like, how are you initiating these partnerships, I guess? Absolutely. So I'll be honest, some of them do come to me. But when I am thinking of reaching out, usually I will kind of do like, if I'm reaching out to a tourism board, it's because my audience has expressed a need, like an interest in that area. And I have nothing to show for it right now. So I'll usually, yeah, I'll find a PR contact on LinkedIn or on their website. um, And I'll reach out and just be like fully transparent. Like I I have a need for this. My audience wants to see this. And I think not only, you know, do they look at my community and they realize that like everybody is a pretty targeted group that can benefit from hearing about it, but also that like clearly there's a pressing specific need that people are truly like reaching out to me asking about restaurants and hikes and hotels. And I literally could tell them that. In addition to, you know, like I put out a piece of sponsored content from them and they benefit from that. But what they don't always like think about is that's like, if I loved it, that's going to be my recommendation when people DM me for a long time. And so there's kind of power in that that goes even beyond the partnership. 
So that's kind of what I do when I reach out. I think about even general things. Like people ask me for certain types of restaurant recommendations in Milwaukee. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I always <laughs> get like good smoothie places because I love smoothies and I make a lot of them. But I never go out for smoothies when I'm here. Because yeah. I just make them. So I have ones from around the state. But I'm like, okay, like let's make a concentrated effort to look for these places, to contact people who, you know, might be willing to um, right. work with me to promote something here. That's cool. Yeah, that's definitely really awesome. As you were kind of explaining this, I was thinking about this question that I have for you as well. Um, With rates, when you are traveling, I guess it's a two-part question. Are your rates typically higher for projects when you are traveling versus like something that you might be able to shoot like super locally? Um, And also part two to that question is every part of your travel typically covered? Great question. So I've kind of changed my payment structure around a few times. I think we've all kind of, before pay transparency started to become this thing, we all yeah. sort of guessed <laughs> on our own. And the structure I've come to sort of rest on just out of simplicity, the cost for each deliverable is the same, um, no matter like if it's a lifestyle product I should get home mm-hmm. or like a destination that I'm featuring. However, I do set like a purchase minimum. So like I won't entertain a trip or like project consideration that involves travel um, without like a thousand dollar purchase minimum or whatever you want to yeah. set it at. And so that's kind of helped me. And then when it comes to expenses and how that factors in, yeah, it definitely ends up like costing them a little bit more because I do need everything covered. So I'll be really transparent. I'll say that lodging, any food and drinks, um, tickets for attractions for both myself and my photographer. Um, Usually I ask that they're all covered up front, but like if that can't be the case, like I have to go to the restaurant, pay for the food and get reimbursed, that they would do that. It's a separate line item on the invoice. Um, But yeah, every, all the expenses get covered. And then usually again, the rates are the same per deliverable, but I set a threshold that X amount needs to be purchased to make the trip worth it for us. Yeah, that's fair. And again, like there really is so much that goes into travel. Like you're not going to go on this big giant, again, work trip for $200 at the end of the day after taxes. It's just like physically and mentally not worth it. (laughs) So I think that's very smart to have a basically like I'm not packing my suitcase for any less than X amount of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> so I love that. Bring another person with me most of the time too. Yeah. I can do it on my own. And I will say to people out there, like, don't be afraid to invest in a tripod and use your iPhone and your Apple watch because the quality of your photos, especially in this day and age with TikTok and reels and having more like quality within the content than the photo itself. Yeah. Like, if that's not your specialty, that's okay. You don't have to be a star photographer to create good, engaging content. So if you're going out by yourself and you have a tripod and you know, that's the setup that you have to take photos. Yeah. I do not know works great too. Like the quality of what I'm sharing is the same, even if the photos aren't perfect. Yeah. Speaking of high quality too, I guess that brings up another question that I would be curious about when you are working with any companies, you know, tourism boards or, or restaurants or whatever it might be. Do you find that most of what you're doing is just sponsored content or do you have brands or again, like tourism boards that ask you a lot for just content in general as well? I 
don't have a ton of UGC. I do have some. I will say that typically the way I sell photo and video usage rights is on top. So like I'll create something for my channel for the sponsored trip or the product or what have you. And then usually what I'll say, I'll give them like the freedom as long as they've met like my purchase minimum through other things to Mm -hmm. look at the photos and videos after and say, hey, if you want to purchase these, you know, these are the rates I'm open. And that gives them a little more like ability to say, okay, you know, we see the content first and kind of make that decision. So I haven't done a lot of UGC on its own. I know it's definitely out there, especially if your influence is small and your actual like photography is good. Um, It's definitely an option, again, slightly less of what I do, but usually an add-on and a lot of organizations will choose that add-on option. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really difficult for a company to see a really like beautiful, well put together piece of content and not want it for themselves. And it's very smart that you do it that way versus like having them pay ahead of time. Because I think it's it's a great way to up your ticket price, first of all, because you already know what you're going to get paid. Why not, you know, just show them the content, see if they want to purchase rights for you to be able to make more money and you've already done the work. So I love any opportunities like that to just bump up um, your ticket price or your invoice price. So I love that. Um, But also I think it's really difficult for a brand to say no. Again, like once they see that content, like it's, they maybe didn't know exactly what to expect, but now that it's in front of their face, like it's hard for them to say like, no, we don't want this for ourselves. Yeah. And I think another, as we're talking about photo rights, I think this is true in a lot of campaigns, but in so many travel-based campaigns, you got to read the contract because they will definitely try and sneak photo and video usage rights in there. Um, Perpetual, you know, can be sold to third parties kind of thing. And so it's clearly, it's very valuable to them enough that they would try and like sneak it in there because it's important. So not only like get it out of there before you sign anything, but yeah, be sure to advocate for it because so many of them are interested. Yeah, I absolutely love it. This was such a great conversation. I literally can like hear all of my like travel girlies just being like, oh my God, great. Oh, that question. Oh my gosh, I needed that. Um, Because these are questions that I hear from people all the time. So thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge today. I hope everyone that was listening is getting excited to maybe start traveling a little bit more. Um, But Chelsea, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you. If you ever hike to Wisconsin, you know I'm your girl. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We love it.